Well, good morning again. I'm, again, I'm Jeff. Um, really glad to be together today. Really glad to be part of our church. Really glad to be uh, in worship together. And as you know, we're in this series called Being Good News to a World That Needs It. And it feels like uh, each week we've got another reason why the world needs to hear some good news and why we can be bearers of it. It's such, you know, um, the whole, this whole series, when we designed this series back in June to, be good, to talk about being good news to a world that needs it, there was plenty of reasons in June, but like 14 less reasons than there are now that we need to be bringing uh, this good news of Jesus to the, to the world. Uh, we, um, we're centering this whole thing on the idea that, you know, Jesus came to set captives free and to be good news to the poor and to heal the, those who cannot see. And we get to be his agents of all that. It's amazing. It's such a deep and rich calling that we get to be bearers of good news because that's what Jesus came to do. So that's what we get to do as a church, and we're looking at different ways that we can do that. And this week, we want to talk about how it's good news when we're people who mourn with those who mourn. People mourning with those who mourn is a good news endeavor. It's part of being God's agents. There's a really kind of, um, I don't know, verse that we're familiar with. It's a small verse. It's Romans 12, 15. And it's, it's embedded in this bigger paragraph that's just sort of general. And it's just, it's just this hidden gem. It's the, I think the title in my Bible, in my NIV Bible, the little title up above the paragraphs is something like Instructions for Christian Living. Like, it just couldn't be more general. There's just all this stuff that it says, these little pithy things. Like, and, and then here's what it says in the middle of that paragraph. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Like, this is how you live, church. It's, Paul's telling the Romans. This is how you live. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And mourn with those who mourn. And I love that it doesn't say, go to those who are mourning and help them sort out what got them into that mess. It doesn't say, Go to those who are mourning and fix the problem because we, we don't want them to mourn anymore. And it doesn't, that wouldn't resonate with us because when we keep getting hit one issue after another and one crisis in the world after another and one broken heart after another and one situation after, we, we, I mean, we get overwhelmed because we go, well, I don't even know how we would fix that thing. We just keep getting another one. And so the text doesn't say, go fix what's wrong. Go fix the morning people. It doesn't say go bring cheer and mirth to those people because if you've faced anybody who's mourning, there's nothing you can say that cheers them up because they're walking through a broken heart. It doesn't say that it says mourn with those who mourn. And we, we resonate with this scripture. Maybe your Bible says weep with those who weep. It's the same Ver, uh, same word, it's the same thing. Cry with those who are crying. Grieve with those that are grieving. That's the same word. In fact, it's probably better translated, weep with those who weep, like shed the tears. Now listen, the whole sermon is going to be on us weeping with those who are weeping. Now you may have to take that metaphorically because I know there's weepers and there's non-weepers, right? And you know who you are. Some people have to just be symbolically, I can mourn, and, that, and that's okay if that's what you got to do. Some people are like, yeah, I haven't cried since I was six. No, I didn't cry when I was six. I didn't cry that time either. Like, though, I know some of you are like that, and the rest of us are like, man, I cry every day. I cry at, at, uh, at Verizon commercials. Like, I cry. <laughs> and this really is that idea. It's about enter into that active lamenting over what 
is happening. I just want to talk about what it looks like to mourn with those who mourn. A couple of thoughts this morning. First is that we're going to wait weeping with them. We're going to weep with people. We're going to wait weeping. That is right out of a point that I made in a sermon in August when I talked about we were going through the summer in the scriptures. I was preaching, just grabbed this passage out of Hebrews that had struck me. It was about persevering and it was about persevering through the things that are difficult. And the idea being, and it's the same idea right now, the idea being that things are not as they should be. They're not. You look around the world, it's not as it should be. Anybody tries to figure out where to put all these categories, I mean, if we weren't talking about the fire right now, we'd be talking about the bombing Mogadishu. We'd be talking about the humanitarian crisis that's unfolding in Puerto Rico where 85% of the people are going to be without power for potentially up to a year. I mean, it is, they, are, they are struggling there. I mean, we'd have other things to talk about here. And the idea is things are not as they should be. They're not. One day, these things won't be. One day when the kingdom of God comes fully, these struggles won't be. The brokenness in our world, the injustice that's caused by the sin and the pride of human beings, the the natural disasters even, the world's spinning in brokenness, those won't be one day. And we're going to work this side of heaven, we're going to work toward those things as hard as we can. But it's not right. It's not as it should be. And we know that and we feel that. And so we lament it. That's what we do. That's how we mourn with people is we wait with them, lamenting it, weeping. It's the most honest and human thing that we could do. I'm not going to go in and go, hey, it's going to be all good because that's what we know is not true. It's not going to be all good. There's not going to be a season coming up, friends, where we're not going to have something to lament. We're not just like, man, we got to get through this time. It's been a weird few weeks. And then after that, it's going to be all golden sunshine. That's not going to be, that's not our world. Things in our world are not as they should be. And so we're going to wait for God to come and keep delivering us through that. We're going to wait weeping together. It's so human to want to do that. We've all longed to do that. That's what's so amazing is that, that the whole world is out there like, help me figure out what to do. I mean, as soon as we put up the, the um, volunteer signups for the evacuation shelter at New Life to join those guys, the, the remaining like 85 spots like went away. And I mean, I'm not saying it was you guys, it was their church and our church. And all the, I mean, everybody signed up to go do stuff. You know, all the, all the evacuation centers are like, stop bringing stuff. Like, we don't know what to do with it all, right? And so you call, they're like, don't call the church. Everybody's calling the church up there and there's nowhere to put you right now. So we're looking for ways to help because we're all saying, man, this isn't right. And we're gonna step in and we're gonna, and we're gonna lament that. And it's human to do so. Jesus modeled this for us. It's God and human. And we know that because Jesus did it. There's this passage in John 11 where um, this is when Jesus' friend Lazarus died. And when Lazarus' sister, I can't remember which one this is, Mary or Martha, uh, came. Let's look at this text. When Jesus saw her weeping, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. Now, now picture this. She had lost her brother. She's struggling She's coming to Jesus. The fuller context is she cannot figure out why Jesus didn't do something more to save her brother. That's, and that's the question that we're lamenting, friends. And we know there's no answer to that question. We don't know. So she's weeping because things are not as they should be. And the people along with her are weeping along with her. When Jesus saw that, he was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled. It says. Now listen, I, 
I wish I had more time to talk about this. And I think a few years ago, I preached on this passage and I talked about these words, deeply moved in spirit and troubled. The deeply moved in spirit, friends, that is an anger. That's an anger word. It's literally, he snorted like a horse. That's the meaning of that word. He was not okay that death was a part of their experience, that grief was a part of their experience, that unanswered questions were a part of their experience, that God was not coming in fullness at every point of evil, at every point of pain, at every point of struggle. It was not okay, and it wasn't okay with Jesus. He was upset by the reality that people had to experience that this side of heaven. He was deeply moved in spirit, it says, and then it says, and he was troubled, meaning he was turned upside down. He was agitated. The word is the same word that we would use if we were surfing and we got pummeled by a wave and we just went over and over and over and we didn't know which way was up and we were disoriented. That's the same word. He was angry and disoriented that our people shouldn't have to go through this right now. This was Jesus's reaction. And then you go further in the text, where have you laid him, Jesus asked They said, come see, Lord. And Jesus wept. Now, I've pointed this out a few times. I pointed this out in my sermon in August when I used this point that we wait weeping. That why would Jesus wait? We have to uh, weep. Weep. We have to ask that question. Why would Jesus weep? He knows the end of the story, friends. And do you know the end of the story? What happened at the end of this story? He raised him from the dead. That's right. Jesus knew he had the power to do it. He knew that it was going to happen, that he was going to go raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew the end of the story. He knew it was going to all be peachy keen one day. So why was Jesus weeping? Because in the midst of their struggle and their pain, it broke his heart that they had to live in it. And so he weeps. We, friends, will be good news when we come alongside people and say, just like Jesus, this should not be. I don't know why it happened. I can't fix it. I will weep with you, even though the end of the story is that God will come through and deliver us all somehow. One day the kingdom will come in its fullness, but right now I will weep with you because this isn't right. That's what good news people do. That's what Jesus modeled. Jesus, there's another passage that Jesus, where Jesus wept. It looks like Jesus wept over Jerusalem three times in his ministry. Luke 19 says it this way. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city. He saw the city. He saw its needs. He saw its brokenness. He saw its poverty. He saw its injustice. He saw its distance from God, its spiritual angst. He saw all of the city. He stood up on the hillside and saw the city. This to me resonates just a little bit with seeing some of the aerial photos of the fires, Right? That thing you get like, it's devastating. Jesus approached the city and saw it in all of its brokenness. And he wept over it. That's what we do. We come alongside people the way Jesus would. And we weep with them while we wait for God to deliver us. While we wait for God to come through. We get to be his agent. So go ahead and weep, church. Go ahead and be angry about it. Go ahead and be frustrated by it. Go ahead and and feel sorrow and anger and exhaustion and feeling like people got a raw deal and it doesn't make sense that that house got burned and that one's safe and that person died in their bed and that one didn't. Like, Like, go ahead and lament all of the questions in that whole thing because apparently it's good news if we just mourn alongside them because, yeah, things aren't as they should be. And that's what Jesus did. The only mistake we make as anybody who's gone through tragedy can tell you, the only mistake we can make is to try to communicate, it's, it's all good. 
because it's not all good. It's not all good, but we move toward the love and the healing of Christ together, but right now it's not all good. So we weep with folks. We wait with them for God to meet them. We weep with them. And in that is this idea that we weep with them with them. That's, there's, there's a withness to it. That's how we mourn with those who mourn. We practice withness. That verse that I showed you, Romans chapter 12, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. There's a, 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 a presence, a withness. We call this in the theological world incarnation. That's what Jesus did. Jesus came to the earth. What a crazy idea that the creator God of the universe who wants a relationship with his people wanted it so dearly and had this plan that he would manifest himself. Okay, I don't understand how this works. Manifest, our God manifests himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and sends the Son to the earth to be what? With us. That's Christmas. Emmanuel, with us. God has come to be in our midst. John chapter 1 says it this way in talking about Jesus being the Word. This, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among, among us. We've seen his glory. Like he's right. Like God comes and is with us. I love how the message translation puts it. It says that the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw it with our own eyes. When we're good news, friends, if we're going to mourn with people who mourn by moving into the neighborhood so they can see us with their own eyes and feel us with their own skin and smell the breath, however coffeeed it may be, that we're that close and we're in their story and we're mourning with them. That's what Jesus did. He came into this broken world to be with us, moved into the neighborhood. You may not be in the neighborhood that's been devastated, but you're in some neighborhood. And the people in it are experiencing such loss and confusion and brokenness. And again, if we weren't talking about fires or we weren't talking about hurricanes, we'd be talking about their divorce and their broken heart and their wayward kids and their fears of financial, their health concern, right? We move into that neighborhood and we mourn with them over what's not right. It's with them. There's a presence in all that. I love that. And we, again, we know this. We can't be everywhere. We can't be with every with everyone. But you can be with someone. Who is that? Who's that someone that God's called you into their realm so that you can carry the deepest things along with them? That's what good news looks like. We designed today knowing that all of our hearts are heavy and we need some ministry time. We need the Lord to love on us and we need to be encouraged. But I'm going to tell you one hard thing. This is the only hard thing. This is the only way I'm going to stretch you right now, okay? And it's around this point. If we have designed our lives with absolute, to our absolute capacity with no margins so that we've got nothing left to be with anyone, other than self-maintenance and keeping all of our balls from dropping, all of our plates from crashing, then we're not going to get to be with anyone. And that is not okay, church. As God's people, our call is to be incarnational. 
It is to wait weeping with people and it is to be with them. And if we do not have time to be with them, then we are disobedient to the ministry that God has given us. And I am talking to myself like I'm talking to you. What have we done that we have filled our lives with so many things and we have got to put all that together and go, I I need some time so that I can be with other people. I hope that's challenging. You hear what I'm saying on that? Do you feel that, some of that? Do you feel some of the angst of all that's going on in the world is that I'm like, I can barely keep my head above the water of my life. And so how, where, where, I, can't, I can't be present for people. If you're feeling some of that angst, man, let's, let's lean into the Lord and redesign our lives. Follow him on that. Is that convicting enough? Are you ready? Are you done? You go like this if you're done, and then I'll just move on. Okay. We mourn with those who mourn. We wait weeping. We practice withness. Third, and we comfort because of the comforter. You see, here's the miracle. The miracle is we actually have a ministry and it's a ministry of comfort. We actually can have an impact on being a comforting people in the midst of, of mourning with them. We actually have some, it, it, it has an impact. It has a positive effect in that it's a comfort. And the reason it's a comfort is that within us is the Holy Spirit who is called the comforter. You know that that's one of the names of the Holy Spirit? The comforter, the one, the, the one who is an advocate on our behalf, the one who is a counselor on our behalf. Those are all ways to translate this word. But the name of the Holy Spirit, parakaleto in the Greek, can mean the comforter. And so we get to comfort because the comforter is inside of us. I want you to look at this text in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's super important and really great. Look at verse 3 and 4 to begin with. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. And don't you love these terms that he uses for God? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. That's how he describes God. Is that not beautiful? Do you not just love God? That is God. I don't know what kind of misviews we have of God, but he is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So he praises this God. And then verse four, who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received. Isn't that incredible? That's the ministry of good news that we, that we get. Because the Holy Spirit is in us, this God of compassion and comfort is giving you what you need, rescuing you in the midst of your pain and lostness, giving you comfort so that then you can comfort others with the comfort you've already received. And so I have these, this little phrase, just put all three of them up there, Karen, this little phrase that, that comfort overflows from us with hope in Jesus, full of hope in Jesus. Comfort overflows from us. That's the ministry that just happens when we mourn with people. We're not trying to fix them. We're not even trying to comfort them. We're present with them. We're weeping and we're present. And what happens is the Holy Spirit in us leaks out and spills all over people. That is beautiful. Verse five of that text that we just looked at, I, I got Karen off of it too quickly over there, but, but look back at that, look at the bottom verse there. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, I mean, we, we are struggling. You know, whenever you see sufferings of Christ in the scriptures and sharing in them, they're really specifically referring to persecution. So I want to be clear, that's, I mean, those guys struggled just because they were Christ followers. Thanks be to God, we're not wrestling with that, at least not overtly. But we do experience suffering this side of heaven. We got all kinds of troubles in our world. 
But just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. You see that? It abounds through Christ. That word abounds means it is so full, it is so filling that it abounds and it overflows. So the comfort that we get, we may be struggling and we may be suffering, but as God's people, we have so much of God's spirit present and comforting us that it's going to leak out onto all the other people around us. We get to be good news to a world that needs it because while we're weeping with them and we're with them, present and with themness, Holy Spirit comes out and has an impact on their lives. I love that because that's not because you're so good at it. That's not because you're so healed and all fixed or you're not experiencing any struggle or heartbreak. It's just because the presence of God in you does that. That's how we're good news. We get with people and the Holy Spirit comes and it is full of hope. It's full of hope. Next few verses in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, there's this hope mixed into it. Look at, at this. And hope, our hope for you is firm. This hope is there because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. And he goes on, he, Paul goes on to talk to them about the fact that there's hope in here that's pretty cool because he's, he's, He's not somebody who doesn't understand struggle. He's not somebody who doesn't understand suffering. He's not saying, look it, I hope that someday your life will be all fixed and perfect like mine, or I hope someday you'll be able to avoid all the tragedies in life the way that I have. Phew, that's not what he's saying. In the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the struggles, comfort comes because there's hope. Look at uh, verse 8 through 10 in this passage. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, he says. This is just following this, the verse we just read. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, watch this, so that we despaired of life itself. We felt like we were under the sentence of death. Now listen, for those of you who think that everything in the Bible is all rosy and sunshine. This is a guy who suffered such severe anxiety and depression and struggling, not knowing which way was up, not knowing, wondering how God was going to come through for him. Such angst in his life experience that he became suicidal. This is the Apostle Paul, the champion of our faith, who said, I didn't even know if I was going to be able or wanted to live anymore. That's how hard it was. But this happened, it turns out, as he reflects in the, in the end, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This is a God who will deliver us someday fully in the kingdom, but this is a God who will come and meet us in this power. Look at verse 10. He's delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we've set our hope, and he, that he will continue to deliver us. You see the hope in there again? We've set our hope He's delivered us, he will deliver us again, and we've set our hope in the fact that he will continue to deliver us. So that's why my little words about how we mourn, comfort overflows from us, and it's full of hope in Jesus, the deliverer. Full of hope in Jesus, the deliverer. It's not full of hope that things are going to get better. It's not full of hope that if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll be strong enough to handle it or stronger than the person in the next seat in the church. We mourn with people and we're able to comfort them because our hope is in Christ and we then are on solid ground. And that leaks out, friends. We're on solid ground with Christ. And so this is full of hope and it's the hope that's in Jesus. That's the one thing we have hope in. Look at verse 10 again. Can I show verse 10 again? 
Karen, look, he has delivered us. He will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Our hope is not that it's going to be okay. It's not that we're going to be safe. It's not that it's going to be easy. It's not that we can fix our world in one fell swoop or by by one week of, of, of volunteerism. Our hope is that God will show up and deliver us. And when our hope is in that, we leak that to the world and it's good news. When that is our hope, when our hope is rooted in that, that he's going to be our deliverer, then we leak it out and we comfort. Ben, why don't you come? We want to make sure we have time to worship before we end this morning. But let me leave you this, with this reminder, church. It's time again to be good news. It's time again for us to be good news in the midst of the mourning of our world, of the brokenness, of the sadness, we bring comfort because our hope is in Christ. Did you hear what I said? Or are you looking at all the beautiful people behind me? Here we go. Listen. When we, this is how we mourn with them. We weep. We get with them. And the comfort that we know because we trust in Christ leaks out and ministers to them in comfort. We comfort with the comfort we have received from him. We've built our house on the rock. That's what the scriptures tell us. And the winds come, and the rains come, and the streams rise, and the house will not fall, friends. We feel shaken. We feel in turmoil. We feel lost. We feel broken. We don't feel any stronger than people who may not know Jesus. But the truth is, and I'm here to remind you and encourage you and we're going to worship to celebrate it, is that our feet are on the rock and we believe that he will deliver us through it. Not out of it, not away from it, through it, church. That's the good news we have to remind ourselves of. And when we possess that good news, the world gets near us and can grab on because the streams have risen and the rain has come and the wind is buffeting them and they can hold on because we're standing on, this, on the rock. That's the rock. That rock, remember, the, remember what the rock is in the story of, of, of Peter talking to Jesus? Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And they said, and Peter said, Jesus said, who do you say I am? And Peter said, the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. You're the rescuer. You're the deliverer, the son of the living God. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, on that truth, on a man with that kind of faith, that rock, I'll build my church. I'm going to build my church on the foundation of those people who believe that Jesus is the rescuer. And then he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The rain will come and the streams will rise and it will not fall. Friends, that's who you are. Receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Receive the assurance that God will deliver us through this And become this minister of weeping and mourning and leaking comfort to a world that needs it. Be reminded, church, of the good news. Be present for the people that need to hear it as well. Let's stand, let's lean into the truth of our foundation in Christ and worship him.